Jesus is about to wash his disciples' feet and lay down an example for us to follow. Before you reach for a bucket of water, consider what Jesus is really communicating to us. Washing feet is about forgiveness with one another. And when you meet someone who comes to church that you know all about them, and you go, huh, what's he doing in church? What's she doing in church? I'm sorry to say, friends, that's often what happens in this thing we call church. You're the church. It's not this building. You and I are the ecclesia. We are the people. And the people are the church. Zion, now filled with hands, and in this place, gotta dwell with man. Sick be healed, and the crippled stand singing, Hallelujah. My kingdom built with the blood of my son. Selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harmony. I say, let this world know me by your there's no debating the fact that in this world of ours, the majority would rather be served than serve. And that's often the case in the church, sad to say. Just look at the average church and their struggle to fill volunteer roles in the nursery, Sunday school teachers, sound ministry workers, and on and on it goes. We'll see how greatness is built on the foundation of forgiveness and servanthood. Today on Grow in Grace, Pastor Ed Ray is about to resume his study of John, and we meet up with him now in chapter 13. Now, our feet are kind of important. You will walk around the equivalent of the earth almost three times in your lifetime, 100,000 miles. You have 23 bones, 32 joints, 101 tendons and muscles that make it all work. And you take them with you wherever you go, have you noticed? And you get attached to them. And your feet, if they hurt, you hurt. If your feet are cold, you probably are cold. If your feet are dirty, you probably feel dirty. So that's what's going on here. Romans 10, 13 says, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the gospel, who share Jesus with other people. And so they're important to God, feet. And he's focusing on that. Now, there's a true story about a early evangelist in America, and D.L. Moody was his name. And he was the first, he was the Billy Graham of really around the Civil War, right before the Civil War and immediately following it, the 1860s, 1870s. And he was a not well-educated man. He grew up in Chicago on the poor side, and his English was kind of rusty. But God began to use him to really change people's lives. The first evangelist would go out and preach on the street, stand up on a soapbox, literally a box that held soap, and give the message and do an altar call on the street. People got saved. And then they started going into bigger buildings and finally into stadiums. Well, word got around to the British that their churches needed help and something was happening in America that wasn't happening there. They never did an altar call in church. In fact, there are many churches in America today that do not think that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to just talk about Jesus or politics or something else out there and never actually invite people to surrender their lives to God. So Moody is doing it so well that a whole group of British pastors come to America and rent a hotel and ask him to tell them how to do it. And so the first day they had this seminar, 
and everybody went back to their rooms. But all the British pastors, excuse me if you're British, but little stuffy, and when they get to their rooms, they take their shoes off and they leave them outside of the front of the door to their hotel room in the hallway. And so Moody's coming late and he's heading towards his hotel room. He sees all these shoes and he realizes that in England they had servants for a hotel that everyone would leave their shoes out. And the servants would come by in the middle of the night, pick up their shoes, clean them off, polish them, put them back for the morning. So he realizes this is America. We don't have servants. And so he picks up all the shoes and he brings them to his room marks them, cleans them, and then takes them back. Well, he gets busted taking them back by a friend of his, or we wouldn't know this story. But so he's putting the shoes back. His friend said, what are you doing? He said, oh, I couldn't find anybody who would do the shoes, so I did them myself. Okay. The next day, the buddy tells some of the other British pastors, the word gets out. The next night, they all fought for who could pick up all the shoes and, and do them. But there's a, another side of this story that's interesting to me, and I think it will help you. Moody's first job at 15 years old was to be a shoe salesman, and they sold used shoes as well as new shoes. And he learned how to clean shoes and polish them at 15 years old. And it was into that shoe store that a guy named Kimball came and shared the gospel with his 15-year-old, and that's when Moody got saved. That was the start of it all. But what was your first job as a kid? My dad was careful to make sure that the three Ray boys knew the business end of a shovel and a rake and a lawnmower. No, no, not a power lawnmower, a push lawnmower, okay? Some of you are nodding your heads, you understand. And so when it came time for me to get a car, because every red-blooded Redlands, California kid wants a car, and he said, sure, go buy one. I don't have any money, Dad. Well, then go get a job. Wow, is that, like, really cruel? No, no, it was helpful. <laughs> and so those of you that have lived in town all your life and are older than dirt, you will remember that there was a Woolworth in downtown Redlands that was a, a drugstore that had a sandwich counter, okay? So my first job, I walk in cold, say, do you need somebody to clean up or something. He said, yeah, yeah, we need somebody to mop floors. Go mop that floor to mop the floor. Go clean up the bathrooms. I do toilets. Yes, I do. And that's why I'm a pastor, because pastors get to do toilets too, and windows, all that. But I get everything done real quick, because I wanted this job. I wanted a car. And so he said, the manager said, well, I asked, what else can I do? And he pulls up a spatula, and he says, go scrape the gum off the bottom of the counter the lunch counter, where everybody, you know. And so I'm oh, really? <laughs> okay. And so I get under there and I'm scraping away and my girlfriend comes in to see me. That's where I learned humility, okay, and how I attained it. I'm working on a book called that. That's a joke. <laughs> we come to verse six, if I quit telling the stories. Then Jesus came to Simon Peter and Peter says to him, kind of a redneck line, he says, Lord, are you washing my feet? Jesus said, no, I'm just carrying this bucket of water around. Here's your sign. So Peter's shocked. He's stunned. He doesn't know what to do with it. So he kind of fumbles. You know, I love Peter. We would have said the same thing, okay? So he's all nervous. And Jesus answered, 
What I'm doing, you do not understand now, but you will after this. That's the first clue. This is more than just about servants, more than just about washing feet. You're going to understand later, Peter. You don't get it now. So Peter said, you shall never wash my feet. Never turns out to be a real short time. Because by the next verse, he changes his mind. But he says, Jesus, not, you can't wash my feet. I'm trying to be humble, right? Jesus said, if I didn't wash your feet or wash you, you'll have no part of me. Servanthood. Certainly, this is about being a servant. Do as I do. Simon Peter said, Lord, then not just my feet, wash me down. I'm a mess. I need it all. Jesus said, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet. This is the clue to the second most important thing in this story. And it has to do with asking God for forgiveness and giving forgiveness to other people. So he uses two different Greek words. The first one means regeneration, born again. You do need to be washed all over every day. Everybody needs to. But it's called in Titus 3, 5, renewed by the washing of regeneration. To be born again is to be washed clean before God. So that's like the Jew who takes a bath, he's fine, he goes out in the street, gets his feet all dirty, like you do, like I do every day. Because we live in a, such a pernicious society that temptations come rolling at us every day and sometimes we succumb to them so that we need to keep short accounts with God and that means a foot washing that means tidy up if you will and it's in first John the same guy that wrote this wrote a letter one nine if we say we have fellowship with God with Jesus and walk in darkness walk in sin and do not practice the truth, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. And we say, well, I did that, Pastor. I did that in 1994. It was a wonderful experience. Listen, if we say that we have no sin now, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, say the same thing God does about our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us feet from all unrighteousness. Okay, so practically how does this work, Pastor? Well, I got up this morning, rested with an extra hour of sleep. It was awesome, right? Somebody say amen. And, <laughs> and I'm ready to get out of bed. And I do what I do almost every morning. I said, Lord, forgive me my sins from yesterday. I give you this day. Please walk with me and keep me out of trouble. How often do you do that, Pastor? Well, I do it every day. You mean we're trying to go to a church where the pastor sins every day? Yeah. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm really good at hiding my sin, okay? I'm one of the best Pharisees you have ever met. I sit up here, you know, nice white shirt. He looks so clean, doesn't he? I have the gift of sarcasm, you might have noticed. Okay, so you could go hire a private eye, 
and follow me around, and he'd say, hey, guys, leads the clean life. He acts like a Christian. I think he might be. But he's not seeing my heart. He's not seeing my brain. If I say I have no sin, I am a liar, and the truth is not within me. And here's why that's important with each other. Somebody comes in here, and they look around and go, wow, everybody's dressed so nicely. They're all clean and everything. I don't belong in here. I'm a sinner. All have sinned, the Bible says, and fallen short of the glory of God. That's not permission to go out and sin. That's a reality check for all of us so that when somebody comes in, we say, you know, you fit right in around here. I mean, we even let guest musicians come from the prison. That's a joke too, okay? (laughs) This is Grow in Grace, and we're partway through a study in John 13 with Pastor Ed Ray. Let's get back to it. So Jesus is talking about not just washing feet. He's talking about humility with each other. Now, humility is a tricky thing. See, I grew up in a church that had foot washing ceremonies. They thought this whole story was just about Hey, another ritual. Let's do a foot washing. And so a couple of times a year, the leaders of the church would get up in front with little water and little buckets with water and and towels, and they would bring poor people up, and they would wash their feet. Now, I said humility is a tricky thing, because if you are going to do something to show how humble you are, and then you invite people to come and watch you, It's like that book I've been working on, Humility and How I Attained It. Think about that. It's a real short book. (laughs) He's saying, you don't need your whole body washed. You need a regular time with me. If you confess your sins, I'm faithful. And you say, well, I don't need to do it every day. I'm holier than you are. Okay, do it once a month. But make sure you really are that holy. Teasing you, okay? Verse 11. For he knew who would betray him. Therefore he said, you are not all clean. Because if you wonder about Jesus, he never was born again. That's what Jesus just said. You're not all clean. So when he'd washed their feet, he took his garment, put it back on, sat down, and he said, do you know what I've done? And they're all slack-jawed. No, we don't. That would have been the honest answer. You call me teacher and Lord. You call me rabbi and curio, and and you are right. You say, well, so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. There it is. But again, he's not instituting a new, and I don't have any troubles. Some of you may be from a denomination. They do foot washing regularly. That's okay. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying foot washing starts in Genesis chapter 18. I'm just going to say them real quick. Genesis 18, 1. Three men come to Abraham. He washes their feet. Genesis 19, 1. Lot does it his house. Genesis 24, 17. Genesis 43, 24. Judges 19, 16. 1 Samuel 25, 40. 2 Samuel 11, 8. Exodus 30, 19. So you can go look at it and see, well, it's throughout the Bible. Jesus isn't starting something new. This has been going on. Because of the culture, it was a cultural thing. But again, it's deeper than that because there are 
two other foot washings besides the one we're studying that you know about. Let me remind you, back in Luke chapter 7, there was a dinner that Jesus was invited to. And the guy's name is Simon, Simon the Pharisee, okay? So he looks perfect. He's got the, you know, the white robe on, invites Jesus to his house, not because he believes Jesus, but he wants to observe him. He wants to see what he's like. It's a setup. And so they're having dinner. They're at one of these reclining tables, the triclinium, and Jesus is talking with Simon, and a woman comes in, opens the door, shuts it, and everybody looks up at her. And she comes and she walks over, at Jesus' feet, standing right over here. And she begins to weep. Now, she's a prostitute. It's a setup. Simon had her come in to do this. But she gets in Jesus' presence, and she starts weeping like a baby, just coming down, like you would, like I would, in the physical presence of Jesus Christ. I fully expect to do the same thing. And so she's weeping, and then she's embarrassed because she sees she's weeping and got his feet wet. And so she goes to her knees, undoes her hair, takes her hair and dries his feet, and then takes some perfume and puts a drop of oil, perfumed oil, on his head. Now, across the room, Simon is sitting there, and he said, that settles it. If he was the Messiah, he would know this woman was of ill Repute. Jesus, it says, read his heart. Shocker. And Jesus said, Simon, I have a question. He said, speak on. Jesus said, a very wealthy man was owed money from two men. One owed a hundred bucks. The other owed him $10,000. Neither one of them could pay the debt. And so they came and asked the man. And the man said, it's okay. Your debt is forgiven. Which of the two men, the one that owed him a hundred bucks or the one that owed him 10 grand, which one do you think loved that man the most? And Simon said, well, I suppose the man who was forgiven the most. Jesus said, when I came into your house, Simon, no one washed my feet. And when I sat down at the table, no one put a drop of oil, another custom of that day that had perfume in it on my forehead. This woman who came in, washed my feet with her tears and anointed my head with her own perfume. She who has been forgiven much, loves much. So washing feet is about forgiveness with one another. And when you meet someone who comes to church that you know all about them and you go, huh, what's he doing in church? What's she doing in church? I'm sorry to say, friends, that's often what happens in this thing we call church. You're the church. It's not this building. You and I are the ecclesia. We are the people. And the people are the church. I have given you this example that you should do as I have done. Most assuredly, I say to you, verse 16, a servant is not greater than his master. None of us are greater than Jesus. It's blasphemy to even say that. Nor is he who is sent greater than him who sent him. You are sent. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. That's what God tells us to do. Verse 17. If you know these things, oh, how happy are you if you do them? 
choose to do these things and you will be choosing joy in your life. It will make sense. So go back to verse 8 to wrap it up. Peter said, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus said, if I don't wash you, you have no part of me. This is absolutely necessary. It's not optional. Serving, cleansing, forgiving. Those are the three messages here in this living parable Jesus gave. We're going through the Gospel of John with Pastor Ed Ray here on Grow in Grace, and it's just a part of our Through the Bible study. If you'd like the CD, which contains the complete and uninterrupted message, call us today at 844-77-GRACE. That's 844-77-GRACE. You can also listen to the program online at thepackinghouse.org. And again, we're at thepackinghouse.org. We're thankful to the Lord for this opportunity to share His Word over the radio, and maybe this is a ministry you'd like to support. This would be a wonderful time to hear from you, and we'll say thanks by sending you The Knowledge of the Holy by A.W. Tozer. This is a classic devotional that has moved the hearts of believers for well over a century. Each chapter focuses on one attitude of God, from God's infinitude to his immutability, grace and goodness. I think you'll find it to be both theologically rich and approachable. Again, we'll send you the knowledge of the holy when you give a gift of any amount to grow in grace. Just call us right now at 844-77-GRACE. That's 844-77-GRACE. And if you wouldn't mind in the next day or two, send off an email to let us know you're listening and what you're getting out of the present series in John. It's encouraging to hear how God is at work through Grow in Grace. Let us know what the Lord is doing in your life when you email us at packinghouseradio at aol.com. Here's Pastor Ed Ray to finish up today's message. Let me sum it up with a story. Back to Moody, D.L. Moody. He loved to tell this true story about a man who was saved in Scotland. So he was becoming so popular that he started doing crusades in Scotland. And he's up in the north around Andrews. And a man comes forward at the altar call. And the people were shocked because he was a prize fighter, bare knuckle champion of Scotland, and a cheat and a gambler, and everybody knew it. And he came up, got a Bible, but as they watched him, he began to be radically changed. Moody took him back to America and put him in his Bible college. Moody Bible College is still open today in Chicago. It's still there. This was the 1870s when this happened. So this guy goes to Moody Bible College, finishes and gets mentored by Moody himself, goes back to Scotland and starts preaching this prize fighter. And so for some reason, all these guys were coming to hear him talk because he was famous. And all kinds of these guys were getting saved. And everything went well until he decided to do a crusade in his own city, his own town. And so he comes to his own town, and he does five days. And on the last day, as he's coming up to speak, an usher runs up and hands him an envelope. And he gets up into the podium, and he opens it, and it says, 
a long list of crimes that he had done in that city and it was signed, if you don't reveal these things to this crowd, I will do it tonight. And so he said, he looks at it and he says this, friends, I'm accused of crimes and sins committed in this very city. I will read them to you. And as he read each one, he'd stop and say, I am guilty. And the next one, I am guilty. And the next one, I am guilty. And I am guilty. And when he finished, it was dead silence. And he said, you ask how I dare to come to you and speak of God's righteousness and truth with a list of crimes like that against my name. I will tell you why. And he quotes 1 Timothy 1.15, the words of the Apostle Paul. He said, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the greatest. Jesus predicts his betrayal and Peter's denial tomorrow on Growing Grace. Pastor Ed Ray will be back in John 13. This program is brought to you by the Packing House Christian Fellowship. Let this world know me by your love.